Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Chapter 25 of Legion, a.k.a. the one with the rap battle. Oh, yeah. This episode was amazing. Amazing. Oh, my God. I can't believe that they are three episodes from the end. They're like, hey, real quick. We're going to do something set entirely in a different place, mostly with characters who have not showed up this season at all. The whole yeah. season. The whole season. But it was so great to see all of them. Yes, it was. It was fantastic. It yeah. was a perfect, thrilling episode. I got choked up at points. I got excited at points. This show is phenomenal. So good. And you got Manzukis in there. And yes. That, as oh, the my wolf. God. That was yeah. so funny. I think this is part of the League universe of shows. Yeah, Jason Mizukas, if you don't know, is always playing the same character in everything that he does. Yeah. And this is just another example of him being that dude. I yeah. just know him from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But, <laughs> same uh, guy. Yeah, it's the same guy. Same uh, character. Good place. But the... Same character. Yeah. Really? I just love how... The UCB theater when we knew him back in the day. Yep. Yep. Same guy. <laughs> same character. Same character. Just the, 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 the tonally how each episode sometimes has different tones, different feels... I love this show so much because you really, you sit down and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, they take such big swings, make such fun choices with this show. Uh, just the way this started was so different and slow, and you're like in a field and there's a voiceover. Well, before we get to that, though, let's do recap because there's a lot of stuff you need to know before the uh, we actually get into this episode. The main thing you, we probably need to know about that has been off the board for a while are there two characters, Oliver Bird and Melanie Bird. Melanie Bird, played by Jean Smart, she used to be the leader of the mutant task force that eventually joined together with Division Three. She was long separated from her husband, Oliver Bird, who initially was trapped in the astral plane in a giant ice cube, yep. uh, played by Jermaine Clement. Uh, the, not the ice cube played by Jermaine Clement. He, uh, no, he played oh, the ice cube as well. Oh, did he? Dual yeah. duty. Yeah. Oh, man. That's range. Good actor. That's range. That's range, which Jason Manzoukas doesn't have. That's no. what we're saying. Oh, oh, come on, on don't, don't. No, no, he's great. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Oliver Bird eventually broke out, but was taken over by Mal Farouk, the Shadow King, uh, then broke out of that. And finally, when we last left them, they had left together to retreat to the astral plane to live out the last of their days. We've actually speculated on the podcast a little bit about whether they would come back, how they would come back. In fact, they do come back this episode and we find out what they've been up to. Now, back in the real world, while they escaped, Division 3 has been battling David Holler, a.k.a. Legion, uh, and finally the war came to Division 3. David wrecked everybody. Basically, everybody died the last episode, or yep, he killed yep. them the last episode. And that pretty much includes Sid, his ex-girlfriend, who tried to attack him, tried to switch places with him, but it turned out that there were multiple versions of him in his own mind. He overwhelmed her and sucked her into the back of his mind to be lost forever so that he could break out and using the time traveler switch, go back in time, make a little change, and according to him, fix the timeline so everything will be good and rosy again. Now, mm -hmm. of course, we know it's not going to be because at this point, David is very much the villain of the show, uh, but that's what he So selfish. Happened. Yeah. He also brought a bunch of his uh, cult members, because mm -hmm. he's leading a cult, to go and attack Division Three with him. Uh, that includes Cynthia. Was that her name? 
Yeah, Cynthia. Uh, and other folks. And they all died. At the same time, they did a tremendous amount of damage to Carrie. Not Carrie, but Carrie. You know which Carrie. one I'm talking about, oh, right, yeah, Pete? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which one am I talking about? Carrie. Nope. Other one. The other one. Sorry about that. Uh, so she got very damaged. Uh, meanwhile, Carrie, uh, who does machines like Donatello, uh, mm-hmm. yep. was hanging back. He had been under the thrall of David for a little while and created a device to amplify David's power so that David could go into a time tunnel where Switch is able to take him and travel back in time, which they did a couple of times. But while they were doing it, they attracted the attention of the Time Eaters, a.k.a. the Time Demons, a.k.a. the Blue Meanies. Uh, they eat time, they reverse time, they're absolutely horrifying. And as we found out at the lad did the last episode, the time door that Switch opened didn't manage to close, and the time demons seemed to be coming back through out of it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, this isn't exactly important to know this episode, but Amala Farouk, the Shadow King, uh, who was working with Division 3, has been trapped in the time between times, so he's off the board. Lenny, played by Aubrey Plaza, stabbed herself in the neck, oh. is turning into a tree, so she's off the board. And Clark, a.k.a. Melty Face, a.k.a. Hamish Linkladder, uh, got thrown into space, and he's dead and singing in space. Yeah. Um, and then Autonomy went away with the other robot yep. people? The, yeah, they're just in the ship somewhere. They're just hanging out. <laughs> the mustache chillin'. gang is chilling. <laughs> yeah, they're just chilling somewhere else. Uh, the other thing you should probably know about Sid is we've seen Sid at various points in her timeline. She's had a horribly traumatic life. Uh, she, both as a kid, as a young adult, and as an adult, Things have been awful for Sid pretty much across the board. She developed a mutant power which allows her to touch people and switch places with them, uh, and that has brought her nothing but pain over the course of her entire life, even though she eventually managed to own that pain and try to grow from that. Yeah. Yep. So there we go. Let's jump into the episode. Justin, you want to walk us through it? Let's do it. We're on the astral plane, which um, yeah. is a fun uh, like forest where stuff that people forget about goes. Um, we uh, we meet Jason Mansukas who's the wolf, and we see that Oliver and Melanie Bird um, live in a house of straw. Oh man! Which um, I believe is um, based on the Three Little Pigs. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it's there a were, subtle ref. Well, it's yeah. great. It's the the kind of running bit of like we got to move type of thing. That was fun. It was yeah. fun. Now, the whole episode is a riff on fairy tales and stories as they develop, uh, which is something that, if I remember correctly, Oliver Bird was very into back when yeah. he was a more regular character on the show. He was a little yeah. meta in general. He yes. was sort of living a little bit outside the story. Um, and So I, I took this... I took what was going on as this is his vision of the astral plane. He essentially has created this world that they're living in, right? Yeah, this feels like an expanded version of the Ice Cube place where yes. he used to live. And it's funny, they have fully like turned their back on all of that stuff from the past and don't quite remember everything that came before. They're just trying to have a fun life where they eat garbage, basically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and live on a, in Stuffed a flower animals. box in New York City. But I like this idea here, the essential idea that the things people forget about, the things that are left behind, get sent directly to the astral plane. I thought that was a very cool concept that played out very nicely throughout the episode. And that includes the baby that he immediately finds, who we almost immediately find out is young Sid. I know, it's crazy. Which was hilarious because he was like, yeah, the baby told me his name is Sid. And then his wife was like, the baby can talk? And he's like, no, silly, it's a baby. 
It was yeah. a real fun moment. It's crazy that all the forgotten things go there because um, we it, what we didn't see is um, the concept of us getting a present for Pete's birthday, which oh. should have been there because we definitely forgot about that. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but they'll get that next time. Uh, fun. There's a lot of comedy in this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of, like, good old sturdy straw. Nothing beats straw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I I mean, I know he probably didn't, but so much of it was geared towards Jermaine Clement and his delivery on oh, things yeah. and what yeah. he can do and what he likes to do as an actor that uh, I think I think this one was written by Noah Hawley. So yep. I'm sure it was leaning into that, but I did wonder how much input he gave into the episode because a lot of it was like his turn of delivery or the way that he was saying this thing seemed very classically Jermaine Clement to me. Yeah, yeah, also, even down to the rap battle, which also yeah. felt... Oh, both, uh, the rap Such battle, a glorious rap battle. Both sides of it felt like it was very much the actor's personalities coming yes. through and what they were saying. So Absolutely. I imagine maybe they collaborated a little bit on that. Yeah, and yeah. also a lot of talk about herpes and chlamydia. Uh, yeah, because so Jason Manzoukas is the wolf. He essentially represents reality, but the dark side of reality. So he is calling out to Jermaine Clement, and he's like, oh, have you told the kid about the Holocaust yet? Yeah. Which, yeah. very funny line. And he's like, well, you know, you got to tell him about it sometime. They got to grow up. Yeah. Oh, tell her about chlamydia, yeah. which became a running bit throughout the episode to talk about chlamydia. Uh, again, very funny, but to your point, very Jason Manzukas. Yeah, yeah, and it was nice um, because he was tempting them with real-world things, and even beyond that real-world vices or problems. Throughout, um, they capture uh, Cynthia, who's uh, his sort of thrall or girlfriend, felt very much like uh, David Holler and the, the women he has with him yep. in the cult, and they bring her over into their astral plane, nice reality, a lot of sitting in fields. Yeah, uh, doing stuff in, in the so cabin. So the interesting thing to me about the wolf, about Jason Madzukas' wolf, is he's not completely wrong, right? Right. Like, Jermaine Clement, uh, Oliver and Melanie Bird, they have retreated into a total fantasy world, which isn't exactly right, and they realize by the end that they need to hit halfway, that they need to accept some of the reality. Uh, but the wolf also isn't wrong. He, him saying, you need to own your pain, you need to face that there are bad things in the world is correct as well. And all of this is about Sid's journey to discovering both of these things, to finding her halfway. But also, uh, Mr. Bird was right in the fact of, like, you know, you should learn about love first, you know, like raise somebody right, raise them with love, and then try to get them ready for the I madness. I do appreciate you calling him Mr. Bird and being yeah. very formal about it and nice yeah. instead of Oliver. That's what Pete... You don't know him. That's what yeah, Pete calls pigeons, too. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Bird, but no, I'm walking I call them over Mr. Here. Flying Rats. Uh, nice. Um, yeah, I agree with you. In fact, I would argue that the wolf is an expression uh, that is coming out of the birds. Um, mm. I think that's not an outside force. It's there to hurt them. I think that's where their guilt for abandoning the rest of the the mutants and uh, just re completely retreating and letting them like figure their shit out. It was interesting to me that more of that uh, came through with Oliver than it did with Melanie. We've spent yeah. so much more time with Melanie over the course of the show. And if I have any quibble about this episode, it's I think she got a little bit of short shrift. I, I agree with you from performance side, but I think it actually makes sense for the character because she was much more ready to fully retreat than he was. Sure. Mm -hmm. It felt like he was a little bit like in the fight more so. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, I'm absolutely done with this. I've been hurt too much by this because she gets she's addicted to uh, David's drug in the last right, season. Yeah. And then she 
like misses Oliver and finally is like, fuck all that. I'm done with it. I've suffered too much. Right. And he was literally chilling in an ice cube for decades while she was out in the middle of mutant human battles and everything. So, yeah, she... I think that's fair. She wanted a break. She gets a break. She's done with all of it. Even yeah. Sid was like, aren't you guys going to come? There's a big war going on. A lot of it's riding on this. And they were like, no, nah, we're done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's jump back to the episode. Uh, so they move into the stick house. Uh, Sid gets a little older. She, she's Little Sid is dreaming of real Sid's life. Yeah. Um, now, I thought it was interesting. They, uh, I guess this plays out a little bit further on, but... Um, as Sid grows older, she doesn't turn into Sid. It's like a different actor, which I thought was interesting. Well, mm-hmm. she's living a whole lifetime in there. Yeah. She's growing right. up, as she talks about later on. These are the different actresses that we've seen previously playing young Sid and teenage Sid. Right. But at the older Sid, like he, uh, Oliver has to turn her into the Sid we know. Oh, at the very end. At the very yeah. end, yeah. Sure. Um, so that, to me, sort of informed back that um, into this section where... It's a it's a separate it's a fully separate life. Her she could not go back. She could live here forever and be yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. It was a full divergence and maybe plays into what we're going to see in these final two episodes of David trying to divert the timeline to right. create a happier life and hide all of his sins. Maybe I I know last episode I predicted that we'd almost immediately see a separate timeline. I'm not sure anymore. I don't yeah. know. I, I, very typical of the show, but I don't know what is going to happen at this point. Yeah. Whether we are going to see diverting timelines, whether we're going to see him uh, jump through the different timelines from episode seven from last season or something like that. Anything is possible at this point. I feel like there's going to be a battle throughout time. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we'll fully get to see a divergent timeline. I guess it's at this point it sort of doesn't make sense to, um, right. unless they somehow jump back before the divergent time, the timeline diverges, it, right? It all, this is definitely jumping ahead to the next episode, but it all depends on where David went back to, I think, yeah. which we still do not know. In this episode, we get a lot of flashback. We see Sid and David and uh, the big dude with the yellow eyes and a lot of yeah. stuff yeah. from their relationship and all the horrible things that David did to her. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool. So they... Um, they move into a house of bricks, which unfortunately is in the gutter. Uh, we see Sid encounter the beating heart in the streets. Cynthia, who has been taken back by the wolf yeah. and her very mean children. Well, what, they're not yep. mean. They're just drunks. Yeah, uh, that's true. But they're sort of creepy. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're 10 and you're drinking vodka that hard, you're going to be creepy, man. Yeah. One little detail just to jump back that I wanted to talk about with Melanie, just because I like this scene a lot, is there's a scene of Melanie describing how babies are made oh, to yeah. young Sid. Yeah. Uh, this was just a very honestly written scene and honestly described scene between the characters, uh, both in terms of talking about, like, this is a beautiful thing that a woman's body can do. From Melanie's perspective and from young Sid's perspective, she's like, that's gross. Well, that, that's when she she also describes chlamydia right there, right? And it's I like, what that was a great cold. way to do it. We, yeah, you what sneeze, if, yeah, yeah. But from your vagina. Yeah, you sneeze from your vagina, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love that they just went. Any ladies who listen to this podcast, uh, write us in. Let us know if that's accurate. Wow. What Dude, an what? unnecessary thing to say. Yep. Uh, I, I liked how direct they went to that. Vagina. That's that's Thanks for pointing accurate. that out. Yeah. No I know. We could have we, we just guessed that. Oh, okay. No, we should investigate. No, no. <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, I loved it. It felt like they were going to do like the parent thing of them lying to her, but instead she gave like yeah. a clinical breakdown of what it is, which yeah. I thought was very funny. Um, 
So they want to get Cynthia back, who has been taken by Jerome. So they bribe the kids. Which with, is Sid's idea. They yeah. were kind of cool with it. They woke up the next day and were like, oh, well, she's gone. Oh, well. Uh, well, we should talk also about uh, Cynthia's kids because they're so weird and interesting at the same time. Yeah. Uh, when they show up on the street next to the beating heart, uh, there's a little girl who's super into vodka and oh. talks about how there's different flavors of vodka. You yeah. must have appreciated that. Pete. Oh, yeah. Accurate. Pete yeah. loves that. I mean, we think about it, they flavor vodka. Who is that for? You know what I mean? That's for 10-year-olds. Yeah, that's true. And you. And uh, the other I dude like who vodka, is just regulation. teenage okay. boy, very into video games, very yeah. into violence and things like that. Yeah. Um, Classic who, dude. It was interesting to me that they decide to rescue Cynthia, but they don't decide to rescue these two other children. Who are these children, do you think? They're, she said, these are my kids. Cynthia had two children with the wolf. Did she, though? That's what what she do they said. represent, is my question. I think they're like... The temptations of the world. Vices, yeah. Vices yeah. of okay. the world that draw people in. They felt like sort of ragam- like Victorian ragamuffins yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, as a classically trained actor, I'm sure you played both those kids Indeed, before. Indeed, I've played both of those children to some fanfare. <laughs> well, I think you could also draw a line here in this episode about stories growing up and how stories grow up that you start with very simple fairy tales with the three little pigs. Then it goes to Charles Dickens. Like it's a clearly like a Dickensian city that's going on there to you end up back in the X-Men universe with time travel and everything else. Mm So it's not necessarily overt throughout the episode, but you could say Noah Hawley is commenting on the development of stories as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. That's also, there was a real fun moment where, you know, he was asking her about music she was like, I'm five. And he's like, that's no excuse. You know, that's, I love that. That was really Throughout, nice. Yeah. Great lines from Jermaine Clement. Oh, yeah. So back to the point where they're trying to rescue Cynthia. Uh, they come up with a plan. They roll out some vodka. They get the kids drunk. Mm-hmm. And then they stick a bag over Cynthia's head. Uh, classic kidnapping. Classic kidnapping. Unfortunately, the wolf finds out about it almost immediately and goes after Oliver, Mr. Bird, if you will. Yeah. And uh, Oliver says, nope, I know how to deal with this. Goes back to his classic white suit that he was wearing in oh, the ice cube. So great to see that again. Yeah. Great to see that again. That's him owning his power, owning his abilities, because he has almost complete control over the astral plane. And then he gets to this point that we've teased a couple of times before. They get straight into a rap battle. There's only one way this can end. Yeah. A rap rap battle. battle. Yeah, it was so good. So good. This whole sequence was shot so well. It was super funny. Uh, all the the Some lyrics the told the story. Just amazing. Just great. My uh, favorite uh, verse, if you... My favorite verse, if you will... Um, it, I think it was sweeter than toilet wine. Yeah. It was just uh, glorious. Because you're a big say, believer in toilet wine. A lot of cursing in this rap. Yeah. I mean, I know FX can get away with that, but... Wow. Alex, real uh, worried about cursing in rap. I don't know. There was a whole thing about, like, slapping him with his cock and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was a little, Sorry, little, it was a little much. It was fine-ass toilet wine, which yeah. is great. because This fine. is a family show. That's all I'm saying. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's definitely not, Alex. <laughs> Do not watch this with your family anymore. Yeah, Jesus. I, uh, oh, no. Your kids are going to be drinking vodka, flavored vodka. Yeah. Well, we did. I, I, have, I play a drinking game with my kids. Every time Smart. they mention a drink of the show, they drink. Nice. Oh, wow. Smart. That's juice. Better. They drink juice. <laughs> On Just Legion or all television? <laughs> all television. They have to Don't drink watch juice. anything with vampires. Oh, jeez. These kids will be drinking blood. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, the rap battle was such a fun way to play this out. And to your point about it being sort of the evolution of stories, I thought you could 
take that a step further in the combination of like tragedy and comedy. This mm-hmm. episode seemed to sort of toggle back and forth between both, um, where the co- some of the comedic moments played for tragedy, some of the tragic moments played for comedy. I think Plus that's very storytelling cool. Storytelling and rap. I mean, come on, this is all great stuff. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Cynthia uh, stops and go decides to go with the wolf, with Jerome the Again. wolf. Again. Uh, yeah. What do you think that was all about? I think she has decided to live in the real world, but the yeah. negative parts of the real world. I mean, she she was already joining David's cult. She was trying to escape from things, clearly, to be there and live in this fantasy land that he had created. So going with the wolf, that's probably her way of saying, no, I give that up. This is what I want. I'm going to be a junkie on the streets, but that's who I am. Sort of to take it back into the metaphor, though, maybe you can't go back to those simpler stories once you've seen harder stories or more complex stories. Or also, once your time in a story has passed, you can't go back to it. uh, And it might also be because, unlike Sid, she's dead, right? Yes. I think. I mean, I don't remember where she was in the previous episode. There were all those groupies that David sent somewhere else last episode. And when Lenny confronted him, he's like, I don't know, just somewhere else. They're somewhere else. I don't know. Don't worry about it. So Cynthia might be in one of those. But there's also that very telling shot of the wolf as they very slowly pan into the alleyway where the wolf is in front of a wall of fire. Yeah. So there's also a sense of he's the devil. He is in hell. So she might be already dead, already in hell. And she has accepted her fate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cynthia. <sighs> Tough. Classic Tough TV break. character, Cynthia. Yeah. Yep. Classic trope. Uh, so, so they, then re- Sid realizes like, I've got to fight. She's like, I'm Sid, Oliver, uh, Melanie takes on her old persona, Sid, they re- reveal Sid to be Sid and they're like, come on, let's go. We had talked about this. It was and such a like, great moment when the two of them are standing next to each other. Yeah. What I loved about the way that was shot as well is how far away they were from each other. Yeah. That there wasn't a teary eyed goodbye. There was no hug or anything. They were already separated. The birds yeah. are already on the other side of the street. They're still in the astral plane. They're not leaving. But Sid is frozen in place. She is where she is. And when she comes back, when she eventually pulls herself back to the real world, the main thing she does is she changes her hair. But she comes to Carrie and Carrie, and they see that something's different in her. Yeah. because Carrie she's immediately lived, knew. Yeah, she's lived an entire life. Now... Do you think, based on what we were talking about from the recap and based on that Sid has been through so much pain, do you think essentially she has been reborn without that pain? Yes. That she is just the hero she was meant to be now? I think she sort of owned it, sort of hardened that pain into the armor she needs to finally take on David. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, a sit in the hand is worth two birds in the astral plane. Oh, that's what they say. put oh, it on boy. a T-shirt. But I also loved her line of like, she's like, yeah, something's changed. I just lived a whole life in 20 minutes. Remind me of the uh, Next Generation episode with the, the flute, uh, Captain Picard. Oh, a classic flute episode. Uh, where he goes, he finds the flute, he lives a whole life, and then oh, he right. comes back. Yeah. It's held up as the best Star Trek The Next Generation episode. Wow, that's bold. Uh, Nobody here? Nobody. No, I don't remember it. What? Sorry. It's the number one episode. Is it? The Fluid up. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. You keep talking about it like you know what I'm talking about, but I don't think you do. I don't know. The last episode is the best episode. No, definitely not. 
No, no, no fan, no real. Do fan people talk that. about the? I'm flute not a real episode. fan. Then clearly, I know you're not. I guess not. You've, uh, if you don't even remember the flute episode, then you don't know what the. Flute I'll tell you what. You're it's not a recorder. Well, you are not well. Oh, it's a recorder. Oh, well, 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 well. <laughs> Who's the true fan? You know, now? I think you have a flute like from Zelda. Sure, from Legend of Zelda. <laughs> that's what it is. That's it? an ocarina. No, and the originals. Oh, the originals on that. Ocarina was made up later. Yes. Anyways. Uh, by the way, this is a great time to plug our Woodwinds podcast. <laughs> oh my Who Woodwind what? in a fight? <laughs> oh, oh my God. Check it out on iTunes and Android, and that's it. Uh, so, yeah. So, then so she gets back, uh, but before she gets back, Carrie and Carrie, not going to clarify which one is which, uh, but uh, one of them is all banged up. The other one feels bad about it, trying to heal her. Her eye is completely torn to shreds. She is in awful shape, uh, barely holding herself up when Sid comes in. Uh, and Sid tells them, I know how... To stop David. Yep. She finds that the time door is still open. It's vibrating. It's rotating. Very cool effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, she asks Carrie to create more of the devices that amplify David's powers that let him go into the time door. Uh, we get a little montage sequence of that. And as he's finishing that up, uh, Carrie is like, listen, I have some bad news for you. Do you want to hear it? And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, here it is. And he tells her the time eaters are probably back. And she's like, I told you I did not want to hear the bad news. Uh, But then we get so many emotional things at the same time. Yeah. Because not only do they start bringing up the music and the title sequence at this point, which amps me up beyond belief at this point in the show. Uh, but then we get this moment where Carrie and Carrie, who have been separate for seasons, we didn't mention this in the recap, but Carrie and Carrie live in the same body. They are yeah. brother yeah. and sister, but they can go inside of each other's bodies uh, and live there. Uh, and that is why Carrie is older than Carrie. Um, and they haven't done that for seasons. They decided to separate. They decided to be separate people and see what that was like. Uh, and when they're about to go into the time door, Carrie says, listen, they realize what they need to do is they need to do it again because then Carrie can give her pain to Carrie. And as she says to him, you can do what you do from a chair. Yeah. So they get a wheelchair. She goes inside of him. We see all of her pain go on him. He falls down. She comes out fully healed and ready to do battle. Yes, she does. Oh my god! Incredibly so fantastic cool. Dude, sequence. She's got a whole she new does outfit like the on. badass walk, and then stops to fucking kick a time demon. Great. Yeah. Well, that too. Glorious. So there's that moment, which was so pent up and so well played out. Because personally, I've become so invested in Carrie and Carrie's story to yeah. see yeah. it uh, come to fruition that way. They waited long enough. Like they yeah. took enough time, and that was great. Uh, and then the time eaters come. They're running for the time door. Sid gets through. They push Carrie through. And then Carrie is left there. And I swear to God, I thought Carrie was going to die. Me too. Oh, that would have been weird. crazy. We went through all that transference of the yeah. pain thing. And then yeah. she just gets wiped out right there. But I thought her job was to hold off the time eaters while the door closed. Yeah. yeah. But instead, as Pete said, she does a sweet kick and goes through the door herself. And like then the time door ass. closes. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So good. Um, now, do you think, so the transference of pain moment in an episode about dealing with the pain of the real world and dealing with the pain in your personal life, that transference of pain moment, I feel like was a, a perfect comment or cap on it where it was like, you have to feel the pain. We get to see Carrie feel the pain that Carrie went through. Um, 
And that's the way, the thing that made them ready to face this upcoming challenge. So I think that was sort of the micro version of what Sid went through in right. the astral plane. Yeah, that because was very she, cool. she gave her pain to the birds and transformed them back to their old state where they were a little more human, a little less fairy tale. So, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I so love cool. this because they are like really geared up to go fight David and. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool to see what happens. Yeah, I love the fact that they don't know what to do. They don't know what's going to happen, but they're still confident that they can win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great. There's two episodes left. I'm pumped, man. Oh, my God. Uh, this show is amazing. The place that they have it is amazing. There's so many balls in the air going into these final two episodes. Yeah. And I fully expect that whatever happens the next episode is going to be a complete swerve. Yeah. Also, like... It's just so great how they really think about everything. Everything is so well done in the show. Even the goddamn title cards are so creative and so fun. Yeah. It's the, this title card was all that junk yeah, from the Astroplane world. Yeah. Oh. Very cool. Very cool. I can't wait to see how this goes. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, this episode only, this is maybe a little bit of an easier one, but what was real, what's not real? Uh, I think the um, the... Flower box where the astroplane was, that was not real. The flower box? The like box that the whole astroplane was like yeah. existing in. Oh, okay. Flower box? It was a flower box. Oh, it was, yeah, like it was a, a flower box. box yeah. on the edge of a fire escape in yeah, New, York, New York, York City. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think the astroplane, I mean, it's real, but like nothing in there is real. Pete, do you have an answer? Uh, I'm going to say that the, the rap battle was real. It was real. That was, yeah. yeah. That shit was real. Yeah. They laid down some sick beats. Yeah. One of my favorite some shots in there beats. is they have a wa- one wide shot where Cynthia is up at the DJ booth. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. So fun. All the close-up camera work on oh, the different yeah. guys rapping. It was, it was just, just so good. Uh, fantastic. If you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Legion. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. And at Inside Legion for Legion-specific content. Uh, Also, you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you inside Legion. Guys, what if we we're still inside Legion when this show ends. Oh no, we'll be trapped forever. Forever. <laughs>